On the evening of that day, the day of resurrection, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among the disciples and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening Speak your truth, breathe your breath into us through your word this day, Lord, that we too might be raised up. Open us to receive all you have for us this day, Lord. Speak, for we are listening. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. It is still Easter. As I said earlier, it's, uh, Easter is a season that lasts for 50 days. 50 days we celebrate Easter. 50 days we live. The church lives through the season, right? The, the 12 days of Christmas, right? The seasons of the church year have a, a, a period of time, and Easter's is 50. Why? Well, because Pentecost is the next one. Pentecost means 50, and that's when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. But why? There's actually meaning behind 50, the number 50 in Scripture. Um, and, and part of that meaning is, goes back again to the roots of our faith, the roots of the, the Jewish faith. And, and when something was important in the Jewish world, in the Jewish faith, they, they would celebrate it for a week, seven days right? Seven remains a, a, an important number, and, and uh, symbolically it has meaning. It's, it's the number of perfection. It, it, when you do something for seven days, that's the perfect amount of time, right? It's, seven means perfection. It's the, the seven days of creation, right? 
the seven seals in the book of Revelation. Seven, seven appears a lot of different places. It's, it's, it's number of perfection. But, but in the Jewish faith, when something was like really important, and it didn't happen very often, but when something was like over-the-top significant, they celebrated not just for a week, but they celebrated it for a week of weeks, 49 days, which is seven times seven for you who are struggling with math this morning, right? But, but like 49 is like perfection on steroids. It's miracle grow perfection, right? It, it's, it's, it's like amazing, right? And so we celebrate Easter for 50 days because what Jesus does in the resurrection, what the Lord God has done in raising Jesus from the dead, get this, he outdoes the previous best, right? He one-ups even himself. It's better than anything ever before has been. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? Like, like Easter is like the new standard of perfection. It's declaring that Jesus is the goat of goats, even though he's the lamb of God, right? 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 I mean, all of this is connected. In, in fact, we, we even have here, it, it mentioned that eight days later, eight what was what early Christians called Sunday. When, when they, they, they moved, because you know, in, in Jewish times, the Sabbath, Saturday, means seven. So Saturday was the holy day for the Jewish people. But, but the early church said, well, 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 we'll keep celebrating Saturday. But man, G- Jesus rose on the first day of the week, on Sunday. And so we're going to make Sunday our worship day. Right? That, that makes sense. If, if, if this day is so important that this is the day when, when God raised Jesus up, then maybe we ought to center our life, our worship life, all of our life on, on this day. But they didn't call it the first day of the week. They called it the eighth day of the week. Because what Jesus does in raising Jesus from the dead is he begins, he ushers in, he welcomes in a new creation. Things are new in Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Things are new because of Jesus. And not like a a, a new toy or a a new house or like everything is new. It's a new creation. God started over in, in amazingness with the newness of what Jesus brings. In raising him up from the dead. This is just a a sliver of the power and the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus. And and we're going to unpack that. That, 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 man, the the day of the resurrection, man, last week, as I said, is, is the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. Today, as we unpack what Jesus brings to the disciples, today we celebrate that his resurrection comes to you. The, the, the resurrection of Jesus matters not just because some guy rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, which is noteworthy, but, but the power of that resurrection is that it matters for you here today. Jesus is alive, and because he is alive, you are alive. You have life. 
This is the power. And so, so it's that night that the, the uh, disciples, uh, we, we imagine they're, they're back in the upper room. They're hiding. They're scared. They're terrified, right? They, they, they'd heard probably at this time the, the, the uh, um, testimony of the women, but, but nobody had seen Jesus yet. And so they don't know what's going on. Their world is flipped upside down, right? They had just buried, witnessed the horrific death and the burial of the one that was everything to them. Have you been there in the midst of grief? What do you do when your loved one dies and you go back home and everybody's left? That's where they were. And then they get this testimony, this, this, this account from the women who said he's, he's not dead, he's, he's alive. And, and there's some hope. But, I mean, it can't be completely solved, right? I mean, they, they haven't seen Jesus yet. Right? And so in, in that moment, Jesus appears and the first thing he says to them is peace. Peace. Which is, is, is I mean, it's fitting. It's, it's kind of the message he brought all along. Peace. It's the message of, of all of Holy Week. Peace. And, and he talks to them and he appears to them and he, he shows them himself. And, and then it, it, it says that he breathed on them. He breathed on them. The only time I really remember somebody breathing on me was when my father was breathing down my neck as he was tying a necktie on me when I was a kid. Still makes me cringe a little bit. Oh, I was hot. Ugh. Anyway. Um, last night uh, was uh, prom for my oldest and so we, of course, uh, did all the fun of gathering together and taking pictures. Oh, we took pictures, right? Oh, and they were great, and it was wonderful. And if you've been to prom or if you've been in a wedding or you've, if you've been in that moment, you know that photo time lasts far longer than you think it ought to, <laughs> right? And so we, we have it, and I share that because I think there's a difference between a picture and a painting, right? A, a photograph captures a moment, but a portrait, a painted portrait, it, it, it tells a story about a moment, right? You see the difference there? Right? That, a, a photo is a, a snapshot of what's going on in that moment. A, 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 a painting has interpretation in it. It, it. it uncovers, it tells a story. Not, not that pictures can't, but there, there's a difference. And, and, and we, with our scripture, we've got four different gospels, right? And sometimes I think we fall into the habit of thinking that the gospels are pictures of Jesus's life, when I, I think a better way to understand them is that they're portraits, that they're paintings, that, that, that are, are beautiful, they're accurate, they're true, but they have interpretation, and they, they, they're, dare I say, they're, they're different. And they emphasize different elements of Jesus and his ministry and his life and what he does. And so one of the things that is different about 
the Gospels is we have here in John's Gospel, the reading today, on the day of resurrection, Jesus comes and he breathes on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And they receive the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Luke, and the, the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And in the Gospel of Luke, in the accounts of the resurrection and, and into the book of Acts, the, the, the disciples don't receive the Holy Spirit until the day of Pentecost. Two different components, right? That, that, that's okay. Don't, don't be afraid of those different interpretations, those different realities. But, but I think it's important for us to understand when we come across those things that, that seemingly are different, no, they're, they're different interpretations and they are emphasizing different components of who God is and what God is saying through the author of each of those books, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, so today we have the Holy Spirit coming through the breath of Jesus on the day of resurrection, that evening. And, and, and I love this. The Gospel of John is, is probably my favorite of the Gospels. And I, I love it because in, in every way it is Jesus fulfilling everything that was failed in the Old Testament. Right? How does, how does the, the Bible begin in Genesis? In the beginning. How, how does John begin? In the beginning. It is mirroring the two. Right? And, and through the, the, the work of Jesus, we have a fulfillment of, of what Moses did for the Israelites in the book of Exodus. Jesus does for all of humanity through the cross. And, and John ties beautifully all of these connections. I want to run through just a couple just to whet your appetite and we can talk about this over a glass at the wonderfully made gathering because I could talk about this for days but not today. But anyway, so, so there's, there's this beautiful, right? I mean, in, in, in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke we have Jesus and the, the Last Supper, where Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples, and he takes the bread, and he gives it, and he takes the wine, and he gives it, and he says, this isn't the Passover anymore, this is me, this is my body, this is my blood. In John's gospel, we don't have a meal. You know why? Because Jesus is the meal. We, we don't have a, a, a picture, we don't have a portrait of Jesus feeding his disciples, because Jesus is the Passover lamb, and he's actually dying at the same time that all the Passover lambs were slain. So he's not saying, come and eat with me. He says, I'm your food. There's connection here. All kinds of connection here, right? In the book of Exodus, during the Passover, there's this, this powerful thing. They take the blood of the lamb, and, and, and that's how God sees the, the blood, and he passes over so that the firstborn isn't, isn't killed. And, and the way they get the blood on the doorpost is they, they paint it with the paintbrush of the day, which, which was a, a hyssop branch. And they paint the blood onto the doorpost. As Jesus is dying on the, on the cross in the Gospel of John, he says, I'm thirsty, and the guards dip a sponge into sour wine, and they give it to him, but they reach up with what? A branch of hyssop, 
because he's the lamb of God and his blood is painted on you so you might be free. This is the gospel of John. Making all of these connections, all of these elements, all of these components that that show us and display for us that, that what Jesus does is he undoes what Adam and Eve did. Or or put a better way, Adam and Eve were disobedient and it put us in a a world of hurt. And Jesus comes along, the Son of God, and he's the only one that is obedient. He's the only one that can complete where Adam and Eve and you and I fail. And so here, upon his resurrection, to seal the deal, he breathes on them. What the heck does that mean? It's beautiful. Do you remember the story of creation? Adam was made in the dirt, in the dust, in the mud, a lifeless form until the breath of God came into him. And then he was raised. Then he arose. Then he was alive. As Jesus comes to the disciples, he breathes on them to say, you now, because I am alive, I am giving you my life that you might live in the ways you failed to before. He breathes on them. The Spirit comes into them. That the power of resurrection might be yours. That you can live. That this is amazing, right? But, but there's more. There's always more with Jesus. Do you remember uh, what, what happened next uh, uh, for Adam? He, he was raised and then God uh, created the garden, put him in the garden, created all the animals and said, name them and, and all these things. And he couldn't find a suitable uh, partner for, for Adam. And so he put him to sleep. And what happened? He took a rib from the side to make his bride. A rib from the side to make his bride. As Jesus is dying on the cross, the bridegroom, the next Adam, the last Adam, as he is dying, do you remember how they determined that he was dead? They put a spear in his side. And what flowed out? Blood and water. What do we celebrate our Christian life with? The water of baptism, which we'll do here in a few moments. The blood of the table of the Lamb of God. Out of his side was born who? You. The church. The bride of Jesus. I mean, do, do you see these connections that, 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 that where Adam and Eve, they failed, this last Adam has succeeded. And, and what he has done is he has, has, has poured out his life that you might live. And, and, and from his side, you are born to new life. The Spirit of God comes to you that you might live. 
Man, that's amazing. That, that's Ezekiel, right? That's the valley of the dry bones. Can these bones live? Can this church live? Can you live? Lord, you know. And the breath of God, the spirit of God, the resurrection of Jesus comes to you so that you might live. This is the promise. This is Easter. This is why we declare Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Because you are alive in him. Man, I love that that what God wants for you is for you to have life. And there are so many times when I am sitting in my lazy boy and I've got visions and, and things I want to do and accomplish and that's where they stay. Have you been there? <laughs> oh, man. And I say to myself, and sometimes I beat myself up, and I, I say, Man, I just want to go do stuff that, that fills me, but then I, I, I stand up and I start, and man, at every turn I am met by, by roadblock and obstacle and hardship, and, and everything is harder than I think it ought to be, and harder than I want it to be. Have you been there? It is hard to live, isn't it? I love what Jesus says in the first portion of today's uh, gospel. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, there's a lot of depth there that we're not going to go in today. There's a lot of uh, apostolic connection. There's a lot of, of, of history there. There's a lot of power there. There's a lot of backstory there that we're, we're not going to unpack. But, but what I want to say to you is, that's the secret sauce. You, you want to know how you live? By giving to others. Right? You, you want to know how you are built up? It's by emptying yourself for the sake of others. Man, that, that's God's economy. Give from yourself and you will be filled. I, I mentioned it about the, the mission trip. Man, there is one week, there, there are two weeks that exhaust me every year. Last week and mission trip week. There are two weeks that fill me completely. Last week and the mission trip week. Physically, emotionally, mentally exhausting. But full. Have you experienced that? As the Father has sent Jesus who comes and gives everything for you. He sends you, that you might follow his lead and give everything you've got, not for yourself, not to build your own life, not to make things great for you, but to do all of that for others. Man, that's where life happens. That's where God works. That's where God shows up, and he shows up in beautiful and powerful ways because that's how the Holy Spirit works. 
Are you exhausted? Life has been hard lately, right? Give, and you'll be full. Give. Go. Serve. Love. Sacrificially. In a way that that might even bring you suffering and pain and hardship and challenge. It might cost you emotionally. It might cost you physically. It might cost you financially. But it's how God's life explodes within you. As the Father sent the Son, He sends you. Because you have the power of resurrection within you because the Spirit of the living God flows through you. This is our story. So let's get busy living it. In the name of Christ. Amen.